When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. The music world moves fast. Want to stay up to date on the latest albums and get in-depth examinations with the artists? Check out Consequence of Sound, the podcast. Bite-sized album reviews for the music fan on the go who wants to stay in the know and much more. Subscribe to the series on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider and let the writers of Consequence of Sound steer you right. Check it out at consequenceofsound.net slash podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith With. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sounds in the Consequence Podcast Network. Go ahead and take a moment right now to hit that subscribe button wherever you are so you can keep up with these interviews. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today my guest, Rostam. You know him uh, maybe from Vampire Weekend, maybe from the album he did with Hamilton Lighthouser, maybe from working with Hyam, but hopefully you also know him from his solo career, which uh, started in earnest just a couple years ago with his debut record, Half Life. He and I are going to be talking about a brand new single he put out into the world this year called In a River, as well as the remix album that preceded it. We'll get into what it's like to be a solo artist, leaving a band like Vampire Weekend, what we can expect from his sophomore album, future collaborations, his taste in Madonna, which happens to echo my taste in Madonna, and also a little bit of news on him working with Ezra from Vampire Weekend. It's Kyle Meredith with Rostam. Hey, how's it going? I love this single. This is a really great single. We've got it in heavy rotation already with, with In a River. Right now, it's just kind of a one-off track, right? Well, yeah, this song, it feels like I had to put it out this year because I played it at every show in 2018, and we did shows all over America and Europe, and every time we played it, we just got this incredible response. So I felt like this obligation to finish the recording and put it out into the world. 
you know, w- with your solo record that came out last year, I, I had read that a lot of those songs had started like being written like years ago. And, you know, it, 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 does it feel like you're finally getting to that clean slate where you can kind of put the past behind you in that sense? And, and a song like this is, is brand new? Yeah, it felt like some of those songs took a long time to finish. And I would, you know, I would start a song in 2011 and write everything except for the bridge. And then, you know, it didn't feel like a finished song until I had the bridge write exactly how it needed to be. So a lot of the songs on Half Light, they started earlier and then it took time to to get them exactly right. Yeah, this song, it is new and yeah, it feels like there's a kind of a groundswell of new songs that are coming out of me. I'm always going to take time to get things right because I, you know, I really believe like it, it, it lasts forever. <laughs> so I always want, I, I'm always going to be trying to please that perfectionist side of me, uh-huh. but it also feels like it's, you know, it's like there's more coming down the assembly line. So I mean, it feels like I'm in a good place. So far it has lasted forever. I mean, at the second, it is lasting forever. You're completely right. But, you know, it's also interesting because there's that whole line that, you know, we've all heard a million times that an artist has their whole life to write their first record. And and that essentially makes what what you're going into now is that sophomore record, even though in this warped version of whatever, you know, of your career, you've also got, you know, half a dozen other records and everything, you know, with, with everything else that you've done. So I don't know how you look at that. Like, what's a sophomore record? versus Vampire Weekend, Hamilton Lighthouser, you know, collaborations, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, the music that it comes out as Rothstam is expressing something kind of specific. And it's something that I think I was a little bit uh, unsure if uh, people would connect with over the years. I think I released songs in a kind of like uh, sort of like unsure way. Like I would I would spend all night working on something and then put it out on SoundCloud in the morning. This is in 2011, for example. But I think over the years, I really realized that there was something specific that I was talking about in in my solo songs as Rossum that people were connecting with. And I think that I think that there's certain things that I I have to say kind of just as Rossum, and uh, that's something that I've kind of learned over the years. So you're right, there is something specific about a second album as an artist that you you have to prove and uh, you have to do and you have to be honest with yourself about what you want to say and what you think that, you know, only you can say. So I'm someone in my life and in my career, I've gotten a lot of joy and I continue to get a lot of joy out of collaborating with different people like Hamilton Lighthouser or Heim or Vampire Weekend. And I also get a lot of joy out of making songs on my own. So I've been able to do both, and I feel like I can continue to do both and, you know, continue to be happy doing so. Some of those things that you're talking about that you can only talk about in your songs, what I'm guessing here is we're talking about the way you've written about love and and sensuality in in ways that I don't think (laughs) I'd ever heard you write with anybody else. Yeah. I, (laughs) I think that there's a lot you can do with a love song, and ultimately I am interested in saying something politically even in the context of a love song, I think that ultimately some people try to say like music, music shouldn't be political. And I really disagree with that. I think that all music is inherently political. I think that there's a case to be made that music is politic. Like if you look at all the music that's ever been made, it is, it, it, it holds its own 
politics. Like if you if you went out there into the world and tra- said, I want to make music that's completely devoid of politics, that in and of itself would be a political statement. <laughs> and it would be one that I would not agree with. I think it would be like kind of, you know, I think you'd be making a mistake if you, if you tried to do that. So, yeah, I guess I like the idea that you can write a song that is a love song that anybody from any background can feel an emotional connection to or a physical connection to. And at the same time, you can be doing something that's politically honest mm-hmm. and true to what you feel and, and what you feel is important in, in the world. You're, you're hitting on one of my all-time favorite Bob Dylan quotes there, too, which you almost said, I think, verbatim, and I'll paraphrase it, but when a reporter you know, accused him of not writing political songs. That's what he replied with. You know, it was like, well, every song is a political song, you know. it's Well, yeah, I think Bob Dylan was someone who, yeah, he wrote songs that their politics in some cases were, you know, very out there in the open. And then in other cases, I think he wrote songs that were political, but, but in a somewhat coded way. And I think that's what makes his music connect with so many people is that, you know, you can, you can come to it from a lot of different angles. Well, not to overlook other parts of your, your music, too, that it's insanely catchy and sexy, too. I mean, you know, the, the stories are sexy. You know, the, the hooks are sexy. It's, you know, what you're doing right now is some of the most fun music that's, that's being put out there, not just within a river, but, but with, with last year's record as well. Man, thank you so much. Yeah, I think the response to In a River, it's been it's been special from every performance and now just with putting out the song and it's been getting like this really direct response and it's it's it feels really strong that people are connecting directly with the song and I think they're you know, they feel something from it, which is always what I want and what you want as an artist, it's what you want. Do you feel like you've found your voice as a solo artist at this point or, or or do you find yourself still searching to figure out what it is if anything specific you know well i've always loved artists that evolve so i've i've always loved bands like radiohead where it's kind of unclear like what exactly is their sound right. it's something that that continued to change and i've you know, the first band that I ever really loved was U2, but the album that I got into with U2 was Octung Baby, which came out when I was about eight or nine years old. And that record was a reinvention for U2. And, and people who loved U2 had never, ever heard a U2 record that sounded anything like Octung Baby. So I guess I feel like I always want to make music that's maybe a little bit unpredictable. I, I want to try to make music that people will hear and, and, and sort of be surprised by. And I want it to be unexpected and I want it to be challenging. But yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm, also, I'm also interested in making music that's catchy. That to me is kind of like, a, it's, the, it's one of the challenges. Like, can you make music that's progressive, but also that's catchy? And then, you know, also, it's, uh, I mean, you've had, you had a large platform which you could leap from. And we're talking about va- you leaving Vampire Weekend for, for this career mm-hmm. that you've taken on. That rarely means a parallel you know, for for a lot of artists, that sort of means starting over. And I don't know if it's felt like one or the other for you, because you could, you do get to leap from something up high, and, and so there is a certain amount of people who will come with you, so it's not exactly starting from scratch, obviously. But but does it feel like it's having to sort of rebuild or, or reconstruct what was there? I think we live in an interesting era now where, because of the Internet, people know more about music than 
they've ever known before. They've been able to learn more about music than they've ever known before, ever been able to learn before. So I think we're in this era where people can say like, they can come to your music because, hey, like I, I love the production of that song and that's what got me into your music. Or people can say like, you know, you were on a playlist that one of my favorite artists made and that's why I got into your music. So we're, li- we're living in this era where everything is more connected than it's ever been before and where knowledge is available. Like when I was growing up and teaching myself about recording, there was no way I could know what someone my age at that time could know now you know you can go on youtube and learn about all these really sophisticated recording and mixing techniques that you just couldn't learn that stuff as easily or as quickly back in the late 90s and you just didn't have the access to the technology that you have now it's like for 100 or 200 bucks you can you can record anything you want <laughs> and you can mix things at a really high level so I think we're in this new era where everything's connected and yeah, some people might come to the music that I make through Vampire Weekend, through songs that I produce, through Hamilton Lighthouser, through a lot of different things. I like the idea that we're all kind of this tribe of musicians making music, working together, doing things together, doing things apart, and that we're building something all together and and we're kind of a sort of a movement that works together and i think in terms of like going out and playing live me playing with a string quartet is something pretty unique and i don't think anybody has a live show that that's like my live show so in that sense yeah i am starting from scratch but i also feel like i'm putting out something in the world that is something new and it's something unique and that feels really good every time i play a show with the string quartet which is you know every show that i play is with a string quartet it it's really fun for me to be there it's fun for me to listen not just to perform because there is something special there there's some kind of magic in the air that that we seem to capture and uh yeah, it just doesn't get old. If someone comes in and they, they see you for the first time with that string quartet and further what you're talking about here, uh, and then they jump on and the first thing they hear recorded is is the remix version of the album that you put out. I mean, what what a great, you know, one-two punch right there. What a great, you know, different, completely different view, right? Yeah, I think that there's a few different angles that you can come at music from and you can experience things from a different place. So yeah, the remixes are maybe a little bit more ambient, more electronic, more like music you could do homework to, or you could kind of get lost in as opposed to music that's more direct. And I think, I think nowadays people like, they like all different kinds of music. It's, it's less divided. Like when I was growing up and I listened to a lot of alternative rock radio, there was definitely these, these really like rigid divisions between the people that like electronic music, between the people that liked rock music. And then even further, there was like the people who liked hard rock music. Right. And there was a little bit of commingling, but it was kind of a different, it was a different era. And I think nowadays people don't see music that way. They don't connect to music so they're not so rigid, and I think that's a really good thing. I remember the shame, the the internal shame I had in my group of friends in high school of not being able to tell them that I liked the song No Diggity and I liked Bob Seger. You know, these were two things that I could not admit to these people because of, yeah, because of those dividing lines, because of, uh, metaphorically and literally, the clothes we wore. Yeah, and I think I was part of a generation where MTV was kind of like this, melting pot for for every kind of music and yeah no diggity was always on mtv but then also blur right and and they were pressed up against each other and i think most most kids my age 
we were always listening to everything. And that was kind of a unique thing. And I think now, you know, in 2018, that's, that's never been more the case. I think people are interested in the artists that they love. There's something that there's like a direct connection they feel with those artists. And now it doesn't have to do with the genre anymore. It's not so much about genre. I'll bring up that uh, that remix record real quick, too. No stranger to remixing yourself. There's still got to be, you know, some kind of thrill of getting something that you created sent back to you, transformed, you know, through someone else's eyes. What, what is that like? It's really fun to hear what someone else does with a song that, you know, you spent a long time getting just the way you wanted. And then once it's out, it's kind of like, okay, let's hear what someone else does with the same track. And yeah, that's definitely how I felt when I heard the remixes that as they came back. So like the Guan remix from Taurus, I like it. I like how it sort of builds it. it you know, it, it almost sounds like it, it felt to me like it was dropping you down on the sidewalk and that the song was kind of playing out of every cafe along the sidewalk and you were sort of getting glimpses of the song and it was sort of building up from nothing. There's there's a great feeling that I think you get as an artist when you hear a remix and you can hear your own song kind of like between the window panes, so to speak. Uh, on on the other end of stuff, I mean, again, in the river, in a river, it's by itself. But does this mean you are working on the next record? Is it something that's going active at the moment? Yes, for sure. It's definitely something that's active. I have kind of a vision in my mind, and I have a ton of beats. I've definitely been kind of pushing myself to make a beat-driven record. So there's kind of like a little bit of a 90s vibe, and there's a lot of big drums. So I, I don't know where it's going to land, but, but it feels to me like something's congealing in terms of a sound for the next Rostam album. And I've been kind of like, yeah, revisiting an era of my life where I used to make like three or four beats every week, and I'm kind of getting back into that mode. So I'm just kind of in drum world, obsessed with drums, putting together drums, waking up in the morning, thinking about drum beats. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like the world that I'm in, uh, which I think is a good place to be. It feels it feels very healthy to be in drum world, as it were. And, and what do you I mean, you, you've got to strike some kind of balance, right? Because you, are you you're still working with production with other artists, collaborations in the air? I mean, is there a certain balance that you have to make sure is there to, 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 to make sure that you're fueling your own artistic project over here? Well, for me, it's pretty easy because most of the sessions that I do with other artists, those other artists are friends. So it's very casual. You know, it'll be like meeting at breakfast and then, you know, someone will say, hey, do you want to come get in the studio? Do you want to work on a song? Do you want to start a new song? Do you want to help me with this song that I started? So it's like most of what I do at this point in my life in terms of collaboration is with friends. So there's not much scheduling and I kind of just fill up the rest of my time working on new Rostam stuff. So it's a pretty casual environment right now. That might have to change. I might have to jump into certain projects and be like, hey, I got to do this for the next three weeks or three months or however long this is going to take to finish. But for right now, you know, I feel like I'm in a good, I'm in a good zone in my life. Okay. It feels good to be at home and productive. You, uh, I don't want to pass this over. You'd mentioned '90s and, and beats a minute ago. Um, I, I found a recent tweet of yours from a couple months ago where you were talking about your top five Madonna singles, and I was really happy that I'm pretty sure we have the same top five Madonna singles. 
uh, just a different order that I would place them in. I don't know if you put yours in order. I'd put mine in a different, but I think it's the exact same five. Wow. I can't believe that. You got I the... think I have, a, I have a weirdo taste in Madonna songs, but I'd be curious to, to hear what you think. Well, we're both obviously, you know, 90s uh, people. You know, we, we came of age around that time because you've got I'll Remember, Like a Prayer, Frozen, Take a Bow, and Material Girl. Uh, and, and so when you, I'll Remember, Frozen, Take a Bow. I mean, those are all 90s songs. And Take a Bow and I'll Remember being some of her greatest ballads. I mean, the uh, Remember record that was all ballads is still one of my all-time favorite records. You know, uh, no guilty pleasure at all there. And that Frozen album I can listen to frontwards and backwards, you know. So when you talk about the 80s stuff, of course those two, like A Prayer Material Girl, it's, it's two of the greatest songs. So, man, you nailed it. Awesome, man. I'm glad to hear that. I don't have such a weird taste in Madonna songs. <laughs> I didn't also know that I was going to completely deconstruct your taste in Madonna towards the end of this interview here, but uh, yeah, I'll take it. I feel like there was one song that I realized I was maybe missing after I made that list, but now I can't think of what that one was. You'll have to get back to us on that one. I'll be curious, too. May- maybe Don't Tell Me. Yeah, we. Uh, so that was, uh, you know, Joe Henry wrote that song. I don't know if you the producer, Joe, artist Joe Henry, that's her uh, brother-in-law. And he did the original version of it, and it's just called Stop. And Okay, it, I'll it, check that out. Yeah, because it's got this, I'm going to say it wrong, because I'm going to call it a Brazilian beat, and that's probably the wrong thing, but it's got this shuffle to it that's completely different. And uh, cool. and, and the two sides of that coin, I love hearing both of those versions anyway, because they're both just as good as the other, but completely different. Great, I'll check that out. Yeah, uh, and of course, I'd be remiss. Uh, we know there's another Vampire album on there. We know you're not in the band. Uh, I don't know if it's known yet, if you're a part of it yet or not, in the uh, in the Chris Wallace sort of way with Death Cab on that last record. Well, yeah, me and Ezra have worked on new music together. I don't want to comment yet, but I can say that we have worked on new music together, and uh, that I think it's going to come out at some point. But I, I just I really don't want to comment more than that. But yeah, our our creative relationship continues just as we said it would, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and our friendship endures. So that's that's basically what what I'm cool with saying right now. And you know, I think for all other official updates those will come through official channels but yeah i'm definitely cool with saying that we've worked on new music and it'll come out at some point well obviously your musical relationship has put a lot of good into the world which we all appreciate i'm such a big fan of the rostam stuff too and i uh, appreciate what you're doing nowadays and i thank you for talking with me about it as well thank you kyle i appreciate that all right man we'll hope to see you around in the meantime take care out there all right thanks bye bye Hey, my thanks to Rostam right there. The new single is called In a River. Looking very forward to that uh, new record when it does come out. Uh, if you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all of the interviews we put out here in the series. Whether you're listening on YouTube, iTunes, Podchaser, wherever you're getting this from, subscribe, uh, give it a rating, leave a review, give us a comment, and then head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern, where you'll also find some bonus episodes of this series. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. 
it sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere. Visit highland.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.